Ladies and gentlemen, George Wilder Jr.
Good evening, my fellow Americans, and happy Lunar New Year. I'm Stacey Abrams, and I'm honored to join the conversation about the state of our union. Growing up, my family went back and forth between lower middle class and working class. Yet even when they came home weary and bone tired, my parents found a way to show us all who we could be. My librarian mother taught us to love learning. My father, a shipyard worker, put in overtime and extra shifts, and they made sure we volunteered to help others. Later, they both became United Methodist ministers, an expression of the faith that guides us. These were our family values, faith, service, education, and responsibility. Now, we only had one car, so sometimes my dad had to hitchhike and walk long stretches during the 30-mile trip home from the shipyards. One rainy night, my mom got worried. We piled in the car and went out looking for him, and we eventually found my dad making his way along the road, soaked and shivering in his shirt sleeves. When he got in the car, my mom asked if he'd left his coat at work. He explained that he'd given it to a homeless man he'd met on the highway. When we asked why he'd given away his only jacket, my dad turned to us and said, I knew when I left that man he'd still be alone, but I could give him my coat because I knew you were coming for me. Our power and strength as Americans lives in our hard work and our belief in more. My family understood firsthand that while success is not guaranteed, we live in a nation where opportunity is possible. But we do not succeed alone. In these United States, when times are tough, we can persevere because our friends and neighbors will come for us. Our first responders will come for us. It is this mantra, this uncommon grace of community that has driven me to become an attorney, a small business owner, a writer, and most recently, the Democratic nominee for governor of Georgia. My reason for running was simple. I love our country and its promise of opportunity for all. And I stand here tonight because I hold fast to my father's credo. Together, we are coming for America, for a better America. Just a few weeks ago, I joined volunteers to distribute meals to furloughed federal workers. They waited in line for a box of food and a sliver of hope since they hadn't received paychecks in weeks. Making livelihoods of our federal workers a pawn for political games is a disgrace. The shutdown was a stunt engineered by the President of the United States, one that defied every tenet of fairness and abandoned not just our people, but our values. For seven years, I led the Democratic Party in the Georgia House of Representatives. I didn't always agree with the Republican speaker or governor, but I understood that our constituents didn't care about our political parties. They cared about their lives. So when we had to negotiate criminal justice reform or transportation or foster care improvements, the leaders of our state didn't shut down. We came together and we kept our word. It should be no different in our nation's capital. We may come from different sides of the political aisle, but our joint commitment to the ideals of this nation cannot be negotiable. Our most urgent work is to realize Americans' dreams of today and tomorrow, to carve a path to independence and prosperity that can last a lifetime. 
Children deserve an excellent education from cradle to career. We owe them safe schools and the highest standards, regardless of zip code. Yet this White House responds timidly while first graders practice active shooter drills and the price of higher education grows ever steeper. From now on, our leaders must be willing to tackle gun safety measures and face the crippling effect of educational loans to support educators and invest what is necessary to unleash the power of America's greatest minds. In Georgia and around the country, people are striving for a middle class where a salary truly equals economic security. But instead, families' hopes are being crushed by Republican leadership that ignores real life or just doesn't understand it. Under the current administration, far too many hardworking Americans are falling behind, living paycheck to paycheck, most without labor unions to protect them from even worse harm. The Republican tax bill rigged the system against working people. Rather than bringing back jobs, plants are closing, layoffs are looming, and wages struggle to keep pace with the actual cost of living. We owe more to the millions of everyday folks who keep our economy running, like truck drivers forced to buy their own rigs, farmers caught in a trade war, small business owners in search of capital, and domestic workers serving without labor protections. Women and men who could thrive if only they had the support and freedom to do so. We know bipartisanship could craft a 21st century immigration plan, but this administration chooses to cage children and tear families apart. Compassionate treatment at the border is not the same as open borders. President Reagan understood this. President Obama understood this. Americans understand this. And Democrats stand ready to effectively secure our ports and borders. But we must all embrace that from agriculture to health care to entrepreneurship, America is made stronger by the presence of immigrants, not walls. And rather than suing to dismantle the Affordable Care Act, as Republican attorneys general have, our leaders must protect the progress we've made and commit to expanding health care and lowering costs for everyone. My father has battled prostate cancer for years. To help cover the cost, I found myself sinking deeper into debt, because while you can defer some payments, you can't defer cancer treatment. In this great nation, Americans are skipping blood pressure pills, forced to choose between buying medicine or paying rent. Maternal mortality rates show that mothers, especially black mothers, risk death to give birth. And in 14 states, including my home state, where a majority want it, our leaders refuse to expand Medicaid, which could save rural hospitals, save economies, and save lives. We can do so much more. Take action on climate change. Defend individual liberties with fair-minded judges. But none of these ambitions are possible without the bedrock guarantee of our right to vote. Let's be clear. Voter suppression is real. From making it harder to register and stay on the rolls, to moving and closing polling places, to rejecting lawful ballots, we can no longer ignore these threats to democracy. While I acknowledge the results of the 2018 election here in Georgia, I did not and we cannot 
except efforts to undermine our right to vote. That's why I started a nonpartisan organization called Fair Fight to advocate for voting rights. This is the next battle for our democracy, one where all eligible citizens can have their say about the vision we want for our country. We must reject the cynicism that says allowing every eligible vote to be cast and counted is a power grab. Americans understand that these are the values our brave men and women in uniform and our veterans risk their lives to defend. The foundation of our moral leadership around the globe is free and fair elections, where voters pick their leaders, not where politicians pick their voters. In this time of division and crisis, we must come together and stand for and with one another. America has stumbled time and again on its quest towards justice and equality. But with each generation, we have revisited our fundamental truths, and where we falter, we make amends. We fought Jim Crow with the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, yet we continue to confront racism from our past and in our present, which is why we must hold everyone from the highest offices to our own families accountable for racist words and deeds and call racism what it is, wrong. America achieved a measure of reproductive justice in Roe v. Wade, but we must never forget it is immoral to allow politicians to harm women and families to advance a political agenda. We affirmed marriage equality, and yet the LGBTQ community remains under attack. So, even as I am very disappointed by the President's approach to our problems, I still don't want him to fail. But we need him to tell the truth. He's and to respect failed. his He's duty many times. and respect the extraordinary diversity that defines America. Our progress has always been found in the refuge, in the basic instinct of the American experiment, to do right by our people. And with a renewed commitment to social and economic justice, we will create a stronger America together. Because America wins by fighting for our shared values against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That is who we are. And when we do so, never wavering, the state of our union will always be strong. Thank you, and may God bless the United States of America. Hi everyone, George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC Alrighty, News YouTube uh, channel. If you'd like to get more videos, show highlights, and watch uh, live... Stacy Adams, Stacy Abrams. I'm always saying Stacy Adams. Stacey Abrams, once again, I had to do it again. I did it yesterday on the show. And I, I thought she rocked. And I told the social media that she rocked. And most of them, if not all of them, agreed with me. You know, so, um, yeah, she rocks. And that's why she's on the show today. And, today. and uh, hopefully she's from the Senate, you know, be, uh, uh, even if she decides to, she wants to become governor again in Georgia, I think she's in good shape. In good shape. All right. Uh, Trump taps former Fox News reporter to lead agency countering Russia, Russian disinformation. <laughs> Folks, as I've stated several times uh, on previous shows, looks like we're going to have uh, if Trump hangs around. Looks like we're going to have Fox News. Fox News uh, in the White House. 
Actually, Fox News is already in the White House. I, I, I do believe that Sean Hannity has a desk somewhere in the Oval Office. Uh, I mean, Trump is, you know, whenever he's choosing someone to uh, Fox News. And Fox News, we know, is a propaganda uh, uh, piece of garbage for him. It's all about – and they, they bend over backwards and kiss his butt, you know. Uh, and he – you know, he brings them into the Oval Office. He brings them into the White House. Okay, and, and that's that's bad for uh, America. That's no doubt about that. Fox News, Trump, Trump taps. I'm reading this, okay, so if I'm making a goof of myself. Uh, Trump taps former Fox News reporter to lead agency countering Russian dif- disinformation. In other words, he... He's hiring people to help him uh, stay out of jail, period. You know, (laughs) he's hiring people and he's hiring them from from Fox, uh, uh, which is a basically a uh, state run organization for Donald Trump, for Trump and his mess. Democrats, uh, they are expected to call for at least 10 years of Donald Trump's tax returns, not just 2018, 2016, uh, 2019, 2018, 2017. They are going to go all the way back uh, to uh, a decade, 10 years. You know, and everybody is guessing what could we learn from Donald Trump's tax returns. We can learn this. That he hasn't paid taxes. We can learn also that he's in the pockets financially of Russia. Okay? So we know that. So Democrats are, and Trump is pissed about it. He is totally pissed about all these investigations that the Democrats are going to ram him up his ass with. State of the Union, he was threatening Democrats. Do not investigate me or there will be no legislation. No legislation. And, and, and the Democrats called his bluff. They are going to investigate Trump like no other president before because Trump is like no other president ever. So they're going to really, really dig into his you know, finances. And that's good because – as I've said several times before, Trump cannot borrow money in the United States. Six, seven bankrupts, he cannot borrow any money. And he's pissed off about that. He's, well, I'm president of the United States. I should be able to borrow money. <laughs> no way. Six bankruptcies, not paying your employees, and not, and on top of that, not paying federal workers, 800,000 federal workers with uh, mouths to feed. Because of some stupid, ridiculous, useless shutdown that came of nothing, nothing whatsoever. It was a waste of time. 35, only thing it did was make people suffer, especially those folks who are living from one paycheck to the next. And I have to tell you, folks, I didn't know there were so many people in America living from one paycheck to the next. I'm thinking everybody has bank accounts or something. Some, everybody has something that they can fall back on. Uh, in case of uh, financial emergencies, but hey, wow! And these are these federal jobs. Uh, most people think of these federal jobs as decent jobs, good jobs. But for people to be living from paycheck to paycheck, they really have to be spending their money uh, on things uh, 
that makes them and propels them to uh, live from paycheck to paycheck. Wow, that is really something. But anyway, um, Trump is pissed. I mean, he's angry that the Democrats are digging into his uh, 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 finances. I remember one time Trump said that if Democrats if Democrats try to uh, investigate his finances, that would be that's a red line, and he was going to come at folks. Trump make all of these baseless threats. He makes all kinds of threats, but so far I have not seen him follow through on any of those threats. Just like so many, he has so many lawsuits, over 3,000, 4,000 lawsuits up his ass. I've never seen him. I've never heard of him or never seen him in court trying to defend these lawsuits or, or going to jail. Somehow he dances his way out from under this stuff, but I don't think he's going to dance his way out from under these investigations. There are 17, if not more into his, not just his finances, but into felony charges or trying to do election, 2016 election from, and that comes from the mouth of his former fixer, former lawyer, Michael Cohen. So it's, it's, it's movie time. What can I say? It's movie time. And uh, uh, Trump is, uh, I mean, he's scared. The guy is running scared. Scared. That's why he's threatening people. That's why he is uh, call name calling and uh, calling people all kinds of names and you know and trying to get back at his critics. And uh, his critics are and his critics are anybody who says something nasty about him that he doesn't like. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be a Facebook user. You could be LinkedIn. You could be Instagram. Any. You could be. Um, the guy who catches the bus every Monday morning to get to work. Uh, any kind of a critic he's after. Political critics. Uh, 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 critics all over the world. He threatens you as if he's going to come after you. And folks, he will come after you. I mean, he wants to be like Putin. And Putin, I mean, all of his critics, most of his critics end up dead. Seriously, and this is what Donald Trump wants. He wants all of his critics, people who say nasty things about him, people who can't stand him, he wants them dead. Because he wants to be like his master, his puppet. He's a puppet. He wants to be like his master and the guy he looks up to and the enemy of the United States, Vladimir Putin. This... This is who he wants to be like, and he doesn't give a fuck what we think. He doesn't care what we say. He doesn't. He knows. He just knows what he wants. The hell with what we want. And that's one of the things that is very, very true about Donald Trump. He doesn't care what the grassroots people out here who are working every day, taking care of their families. He doesn't give a shit what we think. And he really doesn't. And he doesn't care anything about our lives. He really doesn't. Uh, Donald Trump cares about money. And he cares about putting money into the pockets of those 
who are already rich. He's he cares about putting money into the pockets of those who really don't need the money as a lot of Americans do. And he really don't give a fuck about what we think uh, of what we say. But he has a thin skin for critics. He has a thin skin for that. If he wants to stop a negative criticism, then let him do something positive. Let him stop breaking the law. Let him stop lying and stop being caught in every lie that he has he will tell or has told. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. show on Blog Talk Radio. And it is starting to get cold outside again. And we're going to make sure we're going to bundle up. We're going to make sure that we're going to keep warm this time. As if we didn't keep warm last time. And all you folks out there and some people in some parts of the country, America, they are still having this 35, 40 below zero kind of dangerous weather. And the George Wilder Jr. Show want to say, keep warm, everybody. Stay safe. Uh, if you live in an apartment, um, uh, get in touch with your janitor or, or manager or whatever. Uh, if you don't get any positive responses from those people, call your landlord, the owner of the building. Yeah. Do not sit in your apartment or your condo or your house and free to, freeze to death. There's help out there to keep you warm and make sure you stay warm. You paying your money to stay in these places, you should not be freezing to death in your own house. You know, cause, because some of the people in your building that's supposedly working for you, they're mean, nasty, and vile. They would probably want to see you freeze. But you have every right uh, to uh, not freeze and to complain about everything that's 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 not going your way. So all of you folks around the world who have who are in climates where the weather is just freezing cold and it's just getting that way, you know, you have alternatives. You know, you don't have to be like that. Uh, even if you're living in a house or something and you don't have any heat, you know, call someone, a neighbor, a family member, uh, you know. The um, the city where you live in, call them, and you know some city employees will come out and bring heaters uh, for your home. Yeah, uh, just call uh, um, your miss uh, your uh, city fathers, you know, the mayor or whoever, secretary of state, and tell them that you are in dire straits. You need heat in your home, and you'd be surprised. How people will, how many people will step up to make sure that you don't freeze to death in your house. This is what Americans are all about. We are about helping one another. We are about uh, helping those in need. Check out what was happening when we had a shutdown uh, and uh, federal workers were running out of food or didn't have food because they weren't being paid. They were furloughed. Being uh, people stepped up and uh, brought these people food. These people were at food banks. You know, Americans help Americans, regardless of who's in the White House, regardless of who's in Congress, and regardless of what they think and what they do. We take care of each other. 
that's how it is. It has always been, and that's how it will always be. That's how it will always be. Thank you for uh, listening and tuning in and, and to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Tell everybody about the show. Um, let them know that um, I'm here. <laughs> I've been here for almost five years. Wow. Mm, anniversary, you think? <laughs> we'll be right back. Stand up to Donald Trump. That's the only way to so beat Rupert bullies. Murdoch's Wall Street Journal will have anybody talking to the president. The Wall Street Journal's editorial board writes today, quote, every sentient voter in 2016 understood that Donald Trump had a bad history with women, but mistakes of character tend to catch up with everyone, and that's what is now happening with President Trump and his many women. Mr. Trump can't retain the best legal counsel because no one wants a client who ignores all advice. He wants to answer questions from Mr. Mueller, but probably won't prepare enough to avoid even accidental self-incrimination. The Stormy Daniels case is typical of Mr. Trump's pre-presidential behavior in thinking he can, with enough threats and dissembling, get away with anything. He's never understood that a president can't behave that way, and this may be the cause of his downfall. Susan, um, this is just among the first cracks in uh, terms of support, editorial support for the right. president from the journal. Yeah, and that's exactly, but the journal's exactly right. When you talk about the fault of his character coming back to haunt him, that not only plays to the president, but it also plays to a lot of Republicans in the House and the Senate right now who should be saying, I will stand up for what's right. I will speak against the president and what he's doing, as whether it's his policies or even some of the things, his, the attacks he makes on women and other people. But the Stormy Daniels thing is just something that hits so hits him so differently. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, we know he hasn't tweeted about it. He hasn't gone anywhere. But I think it's just a matter of time. And that's what I think a lot of people are waiting for. You know, Eddie, there's a piece in the New York Times today by Jonathan Martin about uh, various Republicans running around the country. Right. And they cannot, they can't stand up and talk about real issues that affect people because the first question out of the box is the president's behavior. Right. I mean, it seems to me that this uh, tef Teflon Don is no longer Teflon Don when it comes to, to, to the Stormy Daniels question. I think there are three C's here. Uh, there's the case, there's the client, and there's the climate. I don't think any lawyer in their right mind wants to take on the case. The I don't even think any lawyer who, who's worth his or her salt uh, wants to deal with a client that will not pay attention, that will not lie, that will not follow advice, that and will then not pay. that will not pay. <laughs> and then there's the climate. The climate is not only the Me Too movement, the Me Too movement has changed the way in which uh, people understand and, and accept uh, certain kinds of behavior, where the, how they judge that behavior. There's the climate in terms of uh, the, the serious, uh, I think, uh, response to Russian interference in our elections. There's uh, kind of economic uncertainty. There's the chaos that's coming out of the White House. So all of this that that, that I think informs how people are judging and assessing what's going on, I think is also shaping and informing how lawyers are, are assessing whether or not they will take on this case. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and speaking of the Republicans and that Jonathan Martin article and Stormy Daniels, let's go to the latest in the Stormy Daniels story. Uh, the porn star is now suing Donald Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, for defamation, claiming that he betrayed her as a liar when denying claims of her affair with Donald Trump. The new filing also argues that the $130,000 hush money agreement signed just 11 days before the election should be nullified because it violated campaign finance law. Meanwhile, 
The White House is trying to explain why the president has not responded to the porn star directly. Yesterday, the in the morning after her 60 Minutes interview aired, the president tweeted, quote, so much fake news, never been more voluminous or inaccurate. But through it all, our country is doing great. A senior administration official tells NBC News that the president has discussed his response with several aides and has been told that the Stormy Daniels issue doesn't rise to the level of a presidential response. The senior official also counseled Trump, telling him that it doesn't endanger his presidency or agenda. Here's the White House yesterday. Can you state categorically that the president, his campaign, and the Trump organization did not violate federal law, specifically election law, uh, regarding that payment? Well, uh, I can speak for only the White House, uh, and I can say categorically that obviously White House didn't engage in uh, any any wrongdoing. Uh, the campaign or uh, Mr. Cohen, the, yeah, the campaign or Mr. Cohen can address uh, anything with respect to their uh, actions. With respect to uh, that interview, I will say the president strongly, clearly, and uh, has consistently denied these underlying uh, claims, and the only person who's been inconsistent is the one making the claims. Was the president aware of a physical threat made against Ms. Daniels when she was with her daughter back in 2011? Well, the president doesn't believe that uh, any of the claims that uh, Ms. Daniels made last night in the interview are accurate. He doesn't believe she was threatened? Uh, no, he does not. Well, what's his basis for that, Raj? Sorry? What's his basis for that? Well, he just uh, doesn't believe that, um, you know, there's nothing to corroborate her claim. All right, we've also learned that 22 million people watched 60 Minutes Sunday. The Porn Star interview was actually the news magazine's highest rated episode in a decade, second only to Barack and Michelle Obama's sit down in 2008, beating Donald Trump's 2016 interview and any interview Donald Trump has ever had on 60 Minutes. Stormy Daniels' lawyer did some trolling, though, tweeting, quote, since this is really what matters, LOL, the ratings for my client Stormy Daniels' appearance on 60 Minutes last night crushed by millions. Any apprentice show in the last 10 years as well as Mr. Trump's November 2016 appearance. Hashtag priorities. We will leave that there. Meanwhile, Republican lawmakers are finding it increasingly tough to escape Donald Trump's shadow with many facing the grim future of a midterm that's going to be a referendum on the president's personal conduct and behavior. Quote, I don't see headlines with porn star Susan Nancy Pelosi, said Democratic Congressman Cedric Richmond. And Pennsylvania Republican Ryan Costello, in discussing his decision not to seek re-election to the House, said the president was getting in the way of the GOP's message. We're talking about porn stars and the president rather than about tax policy or what we need to get done by the end of the year or what should have been in the omnibus. It's very difficult for me to get that message out because we're talking about Stormy Daniels or it was McCabe. Before that, it was Rex Tillerson and where he heard the news that he was fired. And just one thing after another, um, it, it, is, it is deeply frustrating. I will, I will certainly say that. John Meacham, uh, that's Ryan Costello, a rising star in Pennsylvania politics. He was expected to go places in the House. Now he's going home. Uh, and we find in the article, this New York Times article, talks about the Catch-22 that we've been discussing for the past year. And that is, Republicans have to act a certain way to get past the primary process, or they believe they right. do. I think they're badly mistaken. but. 
They think they have to bow and scrape to Donald Trump and apologize to Donald Trump to get through that primary process. But if you do that in a Nevada senatorial primary or in an Arizona uh, senatorial primary, as the article uh, explains, you make yourself radioactive in the general election and you lose. Has Congressman Costello ever said who he voted for for president in 2016? I mean, is is, yeah. is, is he surprised uh-huh. by by this? Is is this a you know? It's a Claude Rains. It, it makes Claude Rains look like a documentary. I mean, yeah. of course, <laughs> this candidate is getting in the way of an agenda. I mean, what 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 planet are they on? Um, this is the the world we've all been living in since since the escalator. Uh, is is the same one, uh, and so to suddenly discover, like Miranda in the Tempest, that oh brave new world, Donald Trump is a distraction from the issues of substance facing America. Good God! Um, well, uh, sorry, yeah. I just, and, I'm, and just, I'm just I'm just no, flabbergasted no, I, I, that, that suddenly a Republican would discover that maybe this unconventional president isn't really great for an underlying conser- movement conservative agenda, huh? Yeah, well, and John, and and maybe if they had been speaking out against the worst, uh, his worst instincts, his worst character traits from the very beginning, as I've been saying, maybe he would have checked those at the gate when he went into the White House if he thought he ever was going to have to pay any consequences from the Republican Party. But they have bowed, and they have scraped, and they have been scared to death. And let's just start at the very top with Paul Ryan, who said, yes, he's a racist. Yes, what he said was the epitome of, 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 of a racist statement. And yes, I'm going to endorse him. When that is where the party leader starts and that is where the party starts, it's obvious this is where we're going to end up. Yeah. You, where do you want to be in this? Uh, just... Just to be a total self-parody here, uh, historically, you'll want to be Margaret Chase Smith, the senator from Maine, who in 1950 said that Joe McCarthy was violating fundamental American principles. You don't want to be the guys in 54 who just caught up with the idea that maybe things weren't so great. With- the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You
wanted was a much-deserved promotion, and he told me to get up on the desk and spread them. All the men in my office wrote down on a piece of paper the sexual favors that I could do for them. All I had asked for was an office with a window. I asked for his advice about how I could get a bill out of committee. He asked me if I brought my knee pads. Those are just a few of the horrific stories that I heard from women over the last year as I've been investigating workplace sexual harassment. And what I've found out is that it's an epidemic across the world. It's a horrifying reality for millions of women when all they want to do every day is go to work. Sexual harassment doesn't discriminate. You can wear a skirt, hospital scrubs, army fatigues. You can be young or old, married or single, black or white. You can be a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. I heard from so many women, police officers, members of our military, financial assistants, actors, engineers, lawyers, bankers, accountants, teachers, journalists. Sexual harassment, it turns out, is not about sex. It's about power and about what somebody does to you to try and take away your power. And I'm here today to encourage you to know that you can take that power back. On July 6, 2016, I jumped off a cliff all by myself. It was the scariest moment of my life, an excruciating choice to make. I fell into an abyss all alone, not knowing what would be below. But then something miraculous started to happen. Thousands of women started reaching out to me to share their own stories of pain and agony and shame. They told me that I became their voice. They were voiceless. And suddenly I realized that even in the 21st century, every woman still has a story. Like Joyce, a flight attendant supervisor whose boss in meetings every day would tell her about the porn that he'd watched the night before while drawing penises on his notepad. She went to complain. She was called crazy and fired. Like Joanne, Wall Street banker, her male colleagues would call her that vile C-word every day. She complained, labeled a troublemaker, never to do another Wall Street deal again. Like Elizabeth, an army officer, her male subordinates would wave one-dollar bills in her face and say, dance for me. And when she went to complain to a major, he said, what, only one dollar? You're worth at least five or ten. After reading, replying to all, and crying over all of these emails, I realized I had so much work to do. Here are the startling facts. One in three women that we know of have been sexually harassed in the workplace. 71% of those incidences never get reported. Why? Because when women come forward, 
They're still called liars and troublemakers and demeaned and trashed and demoted and blacklisted and fired. Reporting sexual harassment can be, in many cases, career-ending. Of all the women that reached out to me, almost none are still today working in their chosen profession, and that is outrageous. I, too, was silent in the beginning. It happened to me at the end of my year as Miss America, when I was meeting with a very high-ranking TV executive in New York City. I thought he was helping me throughout the day, making a lot of phone calls. We went to dinner, and in the back seat of a car, he suddenly lunged on top of me and stuck his tongue down my throat. I didn't realize that to get into the business, silly me, he also intended to get into my pants. And just a week later, when I was in Los Angeles meeting with a high-ranking publicist, it happened again, again in a car, and he took my neck in his hand and he shoved my head so hard into his crotch I couldn't breathe. These are the events that suck the life out of all of your self-confidence. These are the events that until recently, I didn't even call assault. And this is why we have so much work to do. After my years, Miss America, I continued to meet a lot of well-known people, including Donald Trump. When this picture was taken in 1988, nobody could have ever predicted where we'd be today. <laughs> Me, fighting to end sexual harassment in the workplace. He, President of the United States, in spite of it. And shortly thereafter, I got my first gig in television news in Richmond, Virginia. Check out that confident smile with the bright pink jacket. Not so much the hair. I was working so hard to prove that blondes have a lot of brains. But ironically, one of the first stories I covered was the Anita Hill hearings in Washington, D.C. And shortly thereafter, I too was sexually harassed in the workplace. I was covering a story in rural Virginia, And when we got back into the car, my cameraman started saying to me, wondering how much I had enjoyed when he touched my breasts when he put the microphone on me, and it went downhill from there. I was bracing myself against the passenger door. This was before cell phones. I was petrified. I actually envisioned myself rolling outside of that door as the car was going 50 miles per hour, like I'd seen in the movies, and wondering how much it would hurt. When the story about Harvey Weinstein came to light, one of the most well-known movie moguls in all of Hollywood, the allegations were horrific. But so many women came forward, and it made me realize what I had done meant something. He had such a lame excuse. He said he was a product of the 60s and 70s, and that that was the culture then. Yeah. That was the culture then, and unfortunately, it still is. Why? Because of all the myths that are still associated with sexual harassment. Women should just take another job and find another career. 
Yeah, right. Tell that to the single mom working two jobs, trying to make ends meet, who's also being sexually harassed. Women, they bring it on themselves by the clothes that we wear and the makeup that we put on. Yeah, I guess those hoodies that Uber engineers wear in Silicon Valley are just so provocative. <laughs> Women make it up. Yeah, because it's so fun and rewarding to be demeaned and taken down. I would know. Women bring these claims because they want to be famous and rich. Our own president said that. I bet Taylor Swift, one of the most well-known. And richest singers in the world didn't need more money or fame when she came forward with her groping case for one dollar, and I'm so glad she did. Breaking news: the untold story about women and sexual harassment in the workplace. Women just want a safe, welcoming, and harass-free environment. That's it. So how do we go about getting our power back? I have three solutions. Number one, we need to turn bystanders and enablers into allies. Ninety-eight percent of United States corporations right now have sexual harassment training policies. Seventy percent have prevention programs. But still, overwhelmingly, bystanders and witnesses don't come forward. In 2016, the Harvard Business Review. Called it the bystander effect, and yet remember 9/11. Millions of times we've heard, if you see something, say something. Imagine how impactful that would be if we carried that through to bystanders in the workplace regarding sexual harassment. To recognize and interrupt these incidences, to confront the perpetrators to their face. To help and protect the victims. This is my shout out to men. We need you in this fight, and to women too, enablers, to allies. Number two, change the laws. How many of you out there know whether or not you have a forced arbitration clause in your employment contract? Not a lot of hands, and if you don't know, you should. And here's why. Time magazine calls it right there on the screen the teeny tiny little print in contracts that keeps sexual harassment claims unheard. Here's what it is: forced arbitration takes away your Seventh Amendment right to an open jury process. It's secret. You don't get the same witnesses or depositions. In many cases, the company picks the arbitrator for you. There are no appeals, and only 20% of the time does the employee win. But again, it's secret, so nobody ever knows what happened to you. This is why I've been working so diligently on Capitol Hill in Washington D.C. to change the laws. And here's what I tell the senators: Sexual harassment is apolitical. Before somebody harasses you, they don't ask you if you're a Republican or Democrat first. They just do it. And this is why we should all care. Number three: Be fierce. It starts. When we stand tall, and we build that self-confidence, and we stand up and we speak up, and we tell the world what happened to us, 
I know it's scary, but let's do it for our kids. Let's stop this for the next generations. I know that I did it for my children. They were paramount in my decision-making about whether or not I would come forward. My beautiful children, my 12-year-old son, Christian, my 14-year-old daughter, Kaya, and boy, did I underestimate them. The first day of school last year happened to be the day my resolution was announced, and I was so anxious about what they would face. And my daughter came home from school, and she said, Mommy, so many people asked me what happened to you over the summer. And then she looked at me in the eyes, and she said, And Mommy, I was so proud to say that you were my mom. And two weeks later, when she finally found the courage to stand up to two kids who'd been making her life miserable, she came home to me and she said, Mommy, I found the courage to do it because I saw you do it. You see, giving the gift of courage is contagious. And I hope that my journey has inspired you because right now it's the tipping point. We are watching history happen. More and more women are coming forward and saying, enough is enough. Here's my one last plea to companies. Let's hire back all those women whose careers were lost because of some random jerk. Because here's what I know about women. We will no longer be underestimated, intimidated, or set back. We will not be silenced by the ways of the establishment or the relics of the past. No. We will stand up and speak up and have our voices heard. We will be the women we were meant to be. And above all, we will always be fierce. Throw out all the 
Sticking around uh, uh, the George Wilder Jr. show, Frank Robinson dies. Baseball great Frank Robinson. Wow. NBA trade deadline. Knicks wave canter. Woody Allen sues Amazon. Well, if Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world, I'm pretty sure he can stand a 68 million dollar lawsuit. Coming from Woody Allen, Woody Allen, Schiff, uh, Adam Schiff hires ex-NSC aides. Trump is pissed about that. He is pissed. Whatever it's NSC is, it's some sort of aides. I'm thinking it's lawyers to help them investigate into uh, Donald Trump's crimes. Wow. Hmm. Robert De Niro and his ex-wife or soon-to-be ex-wife found themselves in court. Robert De Niro is one of my favorite actors. I think he can be on that mantle of great actors because there aren't too many great actors. But Robert De Niro, I'm, I would consider to be a great actor, as I would consider probably Marlon Brando being a great actor. Denzel Washington, great actors. Not too many of them around. But anyway, De Niro found himself in court. I'm hearing that he and his wife are getting divorced. This is not a gossip show. This is not TMZ. No, 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 no. But it's just that uh, De Niro is one of my favorite actors, a great actor. And, it's, you know, I'm pretty sure he's going to rebound. I mean, when somebody gets divorced in their mid-70s, you know, it's not easy to find someone else. However, De Niro being rich and famous, he should have no problem all right, Ariana Grande, uh, Ariana Grande, uh, this singer, uh, you know, 
I, I, I've watched her perform, heard her music once or twice. I am not a fan. I am no fan of Ariana Grande, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. She is cute. She's, she's very, very cute. She's a cute young girl. And uh, she's very cute. And she knows it. And she knows it. She goes around bragging about how cute she is. And she is. But uh, as far as talent, I don't think she has any. That's just my opinion. That's just what I think. You may think something different or you may know someone who thinks something different. But I don't think Ariana Grande is, has an ounce of talent. She just has a lot of enthusiasm. And maybe that's what makes her a star. You know, it, it's a lot of um, people out here calling themselves stars, and, and, and they'll have an ounce of talent, in my view. And I'm not just saying this. I'm not being jealous or anything. I'm just – I love to see uh, young people uh, showcase their talents, showcase their stuff. But a lot of people out here are showcasing stuff that they do not have, and yet they become stars, whatever, you know. Because I can, you know, I can rattle off a lot of people who I don't think are stars, are, are talented, uh, good-looking, but not talented, not to the, uh, uh, not not to the definition of a Michael Jackson or a Prince or James Brown or um, Teddy Pendergrass or or Barry White, Johnny Mathis, not to uh not uh with that the great music is gone i mean we we've, we've got a lot of this bubblegum and fantasy music out there and you know people you know it, it's not good it's not good okay let's go on Whitaker testifying uh, uh uh i think his name is Matt Whitaker and he is an acting attorney general he is defying uh, democrats he is defying their subpoena. He says, if you subpoena me, I'm not coming. In other words, if they don't subpoena him, he's going to go. Well, that's great. I mean, that's beautiful. I mean, if the, if the Democrats feel as though they don't need a subpoena to get you to come testify, uh, then they're not going to subpoena you. I mean, it's just cut and dry. But if you refuse, outright refuse, then you will be subpoenaed. I think the only reason why the Democrats subpoenaed the uh, acting attorney general, Matt Whitaker, is because they thought that he was going to refuse. They felt he was because they felt that he, you know, was following the uh, playbook that this guy was going to refuse. But hey, wow. Yeah, drop the subpoena and let him just come on and just testify in front of the Democrats. But you, but but at some of these hearings on Capitol Hill, these guys and girls be testifying, and you just hate it when they're asked a question uh, and and do not actually answer the question. They'll talk around it, above it, but do not actually answer the question. Uh, that pisses me off. You know, I mean, you, these Republicans and some of these folks just cannot seem to answer a direct question. You ask them a question, they're going to just tell you what they want you to know, not what you ask them about. And a lot of these guys will say, hey, while you ask them a question, they're going to take the Fifth Amendment. They're not going to say anything. 
And then a lot of them are going to have amnesia. I don't remember. I don't recall. I, I, I just don't remember. Then some will just flat out not answer it, not answer the question. Even being asked, they won't answer it because they feel that it will incriminate themselves, so they won't answer the question. In, a, in other words, they're guilty as hell, whatever they uh, are accused of. Okay. All right. So that uh, is going to be happening soon. A gun makers exp- export rule. Okay. Gun makers. I think the Democrats are going to be uh, attempting to do something about gun laws in the city. Uh, in the, uh, I'm getting ready to say the city of Chicago. Boy, do we need it. But I do think they're going to be tackling gun 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 laws all over America, not just the city of Chicago, but we do need them. And uh, I think America needs it. Okay. Ram truck recall. All right. Okay. Sears survives bankruptcy, but I'm hearing that they are still not out of the woods yet. Boiling water challenge. Something uh, people are throwing boiling water out there on piles of snow. That's supposed to do something. I, I'm not sure what, but it's supposed to. Gucci pull sweater. Yeah, uh, this sweater. They, this uh, everybody is you know been talking about blackface people, uh, fame uh, politicians putting themselves. Uh, painting themselves in blackface years ago, maybe when they were in high school or college, they were painting themselves as blackface. But now Gucci, the department store, uh, is selling a sweater, uh, a sweater that depicts blackface. You might have seen it on the on the uh, in the media. Um, yeah, it's it's something. Blackface, red lips. <laughs> Oh wow, racism is is just beyond bounds, man. It's beyond bounds. Thanks Donald Trump for dividing the country and bringing back racism, uh, you know, awakening the underbelly of America. Uh, wow, that is really something. Anyway, tune tune into the George Wilder Jr. show next week. We are going to be having, let's see. I think we have a ray of guests uh for, on the show next week, so tune in for that. We're not gone yet, but we will be. <laughs> All righty. Uh, be nice to one another out there, okay? Uh, hate has no home here, and I hope it has no home uh, inside wherever you live. Hating people because of who they are, because of their color, their skin color, where they came from, it's so stupid. It is so ridiculous. It is just so not America. We don't hate each other because of where someone came from or how they look or the skin or their skin color. That's ridiculous. You know, it it happens. It happens every day. People yelling and screaming at each, at each other, disagreeing with each other, and they don't even know each other. People screaming. This is what one of the things I I really really do not like about Donald Trump. He he has divided America and yet he acts as he didn't do it. It's not his fault. Just like he uh is responsible respons- responsible, excuse me, responsible for the thirty five day shutdown of America. Now he's saying it's Democrats' fault, it's not his fault. When he engineered it, he he's the one who shut it down. 
Donald Trump does something so ridiculous that makes other people suffer, and then he tries to blame other people for it when there's so much evidence that he did it. He's the one who did it, holding America hostage, holding working people hostage because he wants a, a wall on the U.S. border where there is no crisis, no crisis whatsoever. Even the Republicans know it. Why is Donald Trump so transfixed on a border wall along the Mexico, U.S.-Mexico border when there is no crisis? There is no use for a wall. I guess he wants to kind of stroke his ego. If he's going to get a wall, then he's going to pay for it or the Republicans are going to pay for it. It's not going to be my tax money. It's not going to be yours. You know, if he wants a wall, he, he let him pay for it. Anyway, um, another shutdown of the United States is looming for February 15th, if you, if you haven't heard. Another shutdown for February 15th. If, if nothing has uh, – no one has agreed uh, about the – for funding for a wall, for a wall. Don't forget, Democrats are all for border security. Americans are all for border security, but we don't want no damn wall. There's other ways to effectively uh, secure the border without a wall. Let's say if Trump build a wall, That's not going to stop people from sneaking into the country or coming into America. They're going to find other ways to do it. Other ways to do it. They're going to – there's all kinds of ports of entry. There's there's, um, aircraft that they could use to smuggle drugs in. There's all kinds of ways that they can do it. Two other ways they can do it is if if a wall is built and Trump builds a wall – if a ball a wall is built, uh, what's going to stop people who want to get into America from erecting ladders, throwing ladders up over <laughs> up over the wall and climbing and uh, getting into the country that way? Nothing whatsoever. What about tunnels? People going to dig tunnels all the way down into the ground. Until it comes out, up, over, and into the United States. People are going to find all kinds of ways to get into the, to America. Even if there's a wall built. And there is no emergency on the wall. So Donald Trump should not be using emergency funds that are geared towards other disasters, disasters. Uh, in the United States, like hurricanes, tornadoes, and stuff like that. He wants to use that money as if he has, as president, as if he he has uh, domain over your cash, over your money. It's all about money with Donald Trump. I bet if no one was looking, I bet you if no one was looking, Donald Trump would pocket that money. He would pocket that money, and he would pay off (laughs) all of his uh, coast conspirators who helped him get the wall, who helped them get taxpayer money. He seems like that type of type of guy. It, he's all about money. He's all about cash. He's all about building his nest egg. 
And my understanding is that Democrats are going to seize his taxes. They're going to go all the way back to 10 years. Wow. And Donald Trump is sweating bricks right now. He is sweating bricks. Well, he almost caused it himself when he tried to threaten, threaten the Democrats if they went after his taxes. And they called this bluff. And they went after his taxes. They're going to go all the way back to 10 years. Back 10 years. 10 years from now is what? 2009? They are going to get his taxes. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. That sounds very, very good. We're going to do this. This this is a clip from the time uh, when... Those 800,000 federal workers were, were uh, out of a job, out of a paycheck because of Donald Trump's shutdown. And um, it, it's sad to think that there is another shutdown coming in a few days, man, a few days. Here's an issue that I don't believe is getting enough attention from the media in the United States today. And that is the impact that this government shutdown is having on the government workers who are either working without a paycheck or not working and still also not getting paid. In the last couple weeks alone, more than 4,000 furloughed government workers who are not receiving a paycheck have applied for unemployment. They have had to go to the unemployment offices trying to get temporary aid so that they can continue to pay their bills because they have no idea when this government shutdown is going to end. Thousands of new people just in the last two weeks applying for unemployment assistance because of the government shutdown. That puts an enormous strain on a system that is already strained because Republicans have tried to cut the funding and change the rules for it. And now we're going to strain it even more because of Donald Trump's temper tantrum. And that's just the beginning. Another very serious problem we have as a result of this government shutdown are the massive number of TSA agents here in the United States who continue to call in sick because they're among those who still have to work but aren't going to be paid for it. So the call-out rate for TSA agents across this country is increasing every day, which means we're basically having to pull in the second string. Or we're having to operate with fewer TSA agents, which, number one, obviously means the inspections are not as thorough as they should be, and two, Passengers are having to wait longer times just to get through airport security because there's not enough people staffing them. This impacts the airlines. It impacts air travel in general. It hurts the overall economy. Everything is connected in this economy today, and the president doesn't seem to understand that. And again, gets worse from there. We have food stamp funding that is likely to run out in the month of February. Now, the Trump administration has told us they're absolutely going to find the money to continue funding that, but considering the fact that Republicans have made it their platform for the last several decades to say we need to cut food stamp funding, it's incredibly unlikely that this administration is going to scrape up the change needed to get those people their food stamp checks. So, 
Once that happens, once again, we're dealing with a situation where there's less money flowing through local economies, even if it is coming from the EBT, the food stamp program, whatever it is. What's even worse than economic pain is the physical pain that the people are going to go through because suddenly they can't buy food. Their kids aren't eating. They're trying to scrape by and do whatever they can. And now they're just in a situation where, oh, well, Donald Trump's angry now and the government's not open to send you your food stamps. Uh, Federal scientists are missing conferences. Um, National parks losing money and they're piling up with garbage right now. I'm sure everybody's seen the pictures floating around of just these massive piles of garbage in federal parks and national parks because there's nobody there to even change the trash cans. Disaster aid, another one, being delayed for areas of this country. Florida, the Carolinas, California, Colorado, places that have been ravaged by floods, hurricanes, fires, and all sorts of natural disasters. We're not able to send the aid out to continue helping these communities so people aren't able to put their lives back together, again, because of the government shutdown. The list goes on and on. Politico actually did a decent job of putting together a good list of all the different areas that are being affected by this. And every single one of them is connected to something else in this economy, which is, again, connected to something else. But more importantly than that, than the ripple effects of the economy, which could tank very quickly if this shutdown continues, it's the human cost. The people not getting their food stamps, the people not getting the disaster aid, the people not getting their paychecks yet still being required to go to work, which means they also still have to pay childcare costs and they have no idea how they're gonna do that. People are suffering because of this. This is now the third longest government shutdown we've ever had in this country. And if it goes on much longer, it's gonna go even higher than that. We can't afford this as a country, both economically and morally. We have to take care of these people first and foremost. And that seems to be something that the Republican Party controlling the White House seems to have forgotten.
existential harassment. He feels that the Democratic, the Democratic, the Democrats, excuse me, the Democrats' investigation into his crimes amounts to presidential harassment. And he goes on to say it should never be allowed to happen again. Tweeted. He's always tweeting. He's always tweeting. On Thursday, Trump took took to Twitter to attack Adam Schiff again. Uh, he's always attacking Adam Schiff. He he used Adam Schiff's last name as a profanity at one point. So he cried that Schiff is opening a broad and far-reaching investigation into Trump's financial dealings. He calls that presidential harassment. Wow. <laughs> Uh, he is still tweeting like a madman. I don't think he'll ever stop tweeting. People have told him to stop tweeting because when he tweets this garbage, uh, he tweets it out there and the world sees it. The world sees what Donald Trump is tweeting and what Donald Trump thinks and what he is saying and what he wants. He should keep it to himself. Talk to talk to whatever his concerns may be to people close around him and not tweet it out to the world, tweet everything out to the world. And the world reads this and they see what kind of president we have, but it's too late to be talking about that now because Donald Trump has been tweeting since he's been president. So it's too late. The world knows what he is. The world's laughing at him. The world is laughing at us and the world is saying, uh, America, what is it going to take to get rid of Donald Trump? And a lot of Americans are saying the same thing. What is it going to take to get this man out of our White House? The White House belongs to us, not Donald Trump. Donald Trump called it a dump at one time. It's been reported. He called it a dump. The White House. Then he quickly moved on to something else. That's one of the things about Donald Trump. Uh, whenever he causes causes a controversy, a controversy, or a scandal, controversy, or some kind of scandal, uh, he quickly moves on from it <laughs> and starts another one. That's called distraction. Distraction. Anyway, he is pissed off, and he's saying this is presidential harassment, and uh, it's not. It it's called uh, oversight. It's called checks and balances onto his presidency, his rogue presidency. But he can't see it that way. Donald Trump is a crook. He's a well, I don't know about that, but he's a crook. He's a thug. He's a traitor. He's a terrorist. He is all of the above. I mean, if you look at his rallies, his past rallies and his rallies that are coming up, the only thing he does in these rallies is stroke hatred. Stroke violence and divide. That's it. He gets his supporters pissed off, and they want to go out there and and scream and yell at somebody. May even co- may even cause some harm because he's going to be. Uh, I'm pretty sure in a f- couple more months or a few more months, he's going to be out here rallying. Uh, to become reelected if he makes it that far. And now there's without a fact, the guy needs money. He needs money to run. Nobody's giving him any money. At least not enough money. 
in order for him to uh, uh, mount a viable presidential campaign for 2020. For 2020, yeah. So he needs cash, he, and that's why he. I, I think he the last two or three speeches that he had given, he was also soliciting donations. <laughs> he was soliciting donations. So he's in trouble. And I don't understand why some of the Republicans do not primary uh, Donald Trump, give him somebody to run against for the Republican nomination. Give him somebody to run against. That is he's toxic. He's very, very toxic. Even toxic. Even a lot of uh, Republicans are have turned away from him. Some of his, some of his die-hard supporters have left him. Some of the big-name, famous Republicans have left him. And the money is dried up. Put Donald Trump up for a second time as your nominee. You have to be the biggest fool in the world. The man is going to go down. He's going to go down. We don't need the Republicans to fund our elections to make sure that they're safe. The Democrats in the House of Representatives who hold, who now hold the purse strings will fund the elections to protect them from being hacked or meddled with maybe from Russia or some other uh, foreign country uh, who hates the United States. So there we go. And this is the George Wilder Jr. Show. (laughs) This is the George Wilder Jr. Show broadcasting live from the city of Chicago. We're just about off the air, folks. I want to say have a good time. I'm not feeling that well. It may sound that way, but uh, we, we are all right. And I hope that you going to be all right. Uh, Enjoy your uh, night, your evening, your morning, your weekend, whenever you find yourself listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Um, Enjoy it. Enjoy your time and make sure you tell other people about the show. I'm also a writer. Go check that out. Uh, (laughs) Wow, he's pushing his own books. Yeah, why not? It's my radio show, right? <laughs> so why not? I want to say goodbye, everybody. Have a great one. Have a great evening. Thanks for tuning. Make sure you listen to the podcast if you haven't already heard the show live. We will be back next week, four days a week, starting at 6 o'clock to 7.30, maybe 8 o'clock, depending on what's going on. And we want to say God bless everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show loves you. Bye-bye.
Yeah. 